Welcome to the Freedom Church Podcast. We are so glad that you are investing in your relationship with the Lord by listening to this message. Check out our YouTube channel for a complete log of all of our sermons. If you would like to know more about FC, visit our website at www.freedomfamily.us. God bless and remember that the best is yet to come. Good to see you again, all of your beautiful faces. Look at everybody around you and look down your row and say, thank you for being here. Now look back at them and say, I'm glad you're here too. Now, I want to say a special welcome to those of you that may be here for your very first time here in the auditorium or those of you that are online. And a lot of times when you come to church, you think, man, I just feel bad. I don't know about these people. You look at all it. Don't let these smiling faces fool you. If you look down the row from you, they may have outsend you 10 to 1. You know what I'm saying? So don't let them be fooled with those smiling faces. But we all fall short of God's glory, and we need Him in our lives to be our Savior and to get us through life. So today, I'm glad to have Nate DeGraff on the stage with me. Nate DeGraff is a licensed mental health therapist in the Nashville and Brentwood area. He's been doing this for over 20 years. He has experience with families and couples and individuals, including adolescents. Also, with that being said, using supportive and cognitive behavioral approaches, Nate specializes in family dynamics, stress management, grief therapy, and also in non-addictive challenges and intimacy. He also works directly with medical providers in the treatment of depression, anxiety orders, and relationship issues. Nate and his beloved Beth have been married for 22 years, and they have three sons. Nevin has went off to college, and Grayson and Cooper are here, and they are sophomores at Hendersonville High School. And most of all, they have been with our Freedom Church family for over a decade, and I love them dearly for the heart for the church and the way they serve and give. Would you make, Nate, welcome today, church. See, they love you more than me. That's it's my family. <laughs> so anyway, today we're continuing on uh, the best is yet to come because if you take a look here at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, which God put on my heart several months ago, and, uh, and I was reading this verse. I want you to read this verse with me out loud. Here we go. That is what the scriptures mean when they say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Understanding, why is the best yet to come? Because God is love, and when we love God first, I mean, when we, God loves us and God is love, and He loves us first because He is love, when we reciprocate that love and we have that relationship with Him, He says He's got more prepared for us that can ever blow our minds. That's why I tell you, the best is yet to come. Say that with me. The best is yet to come, despite what anything we're dealing with now. The first week, I talked about future hope. Last week, talked about uh, beyond wounds and things that hurts. And today, we're talking about confronting depression. So I want to share a verse with you um, that I used last year uh, when we came into this COVID thing around Easter, which is so beneficial to us today, today to be able to read again. But Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, in the message it says this, you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope with less of you, there's more of God and his rule. See, when you get to the end of your rope, that's one of the most depressing times that we could ever have in our lives. And some of you, you may not call it depression. You may call it the blues or you may call it discouragement or some kind of gloom or some kind of mood change or a sadness or a time that you feel sad or unhappy or miserable or what I've said before sometimes when we're down in the dumps 
Now, let me ask this question. I want you to be vulnerable. How many of you have felt this way before in your life? Would you raise your hand? Yes. I think that's all of us. And, uh, and here's, we felt that way at one time or another. And I found this the other day. It was pretty incredible when Nate and I worked together this week and figuring out what God wanted to do to use us. But medical news today says this. They said before the pandemic, 8.5% of the U.S. adults reported being depressed. That number has risen to almost 30% as the country struggles with COVID-19. And over that same period of time, there's been a 600% increase in the prescription of antidepressants. Wow. So the, the nation is certainly feeling the effects of, of the pandemic and everything that we've been in. So depression, it's a, it's a set of, of symptoms, circumstances, mood problems, uh, like depressed mood, uh, difficulty sleeping, low energy, low appetite. But the significant thing to know is that the, the symptoms are big enough that it causes a disturbance in how we're expected to or what we would like to carry out our life. So if I have uh, symptoms that are persistent and significant enough, like I can't make it to work, or I don't feel like getting out of bed to do the things that I want to do. Um, my hope, and the thing that's encouraging actually about the 600% increase is that people are, are actually asking for help. Yeah, that's and true. This, this may have created a situation in which we're able to reduce the stigma of mental health, and we certainly have a lot more means by which to, to give services with telehealth and things like that that maybe weren't used quite as much before. But, but more than anything else, depression is a form of stress. Stress is anything that makes you feel uncomfortable. And there, there's, in my opinion, there's two forms of stress, and, it, and, it, it, and I'd use a five-gallon bucket theory. Yes. You know, five gallons is all the stuff that we can take within mm -hmm. the course of the day. Things like trauma and abuse and all the stuff that we worry about on a day-to-day on -day basis, that's called baseline, and it, and it puts a little bit of stress in our bucket. So the more baseline we have, the less that we have on the top to deal with the stuff that happens every day. Mm. So with COVID, the things that are happening in Afghanistan, the isolation that we've experienced, the helplessness that we've experienced, all the grief that everybody's been through with this pandemic, which grief is not just about death, grief is about loss. A lot of people have lost their jobs. A lot of us have lost contact with our loved ones. A lot of us weren't able to visit people right. who were right. hospitalized. And of course, we're dealing with a lot more death than what we're used to. Uh, the hope is that we continue to seek help, we continue to, to provide help for one another, but the stigma is such that we, we critique or we criticize people that seek mental health treatment um, when we shouldn't. And this happens even in, in Christian circles. Sometimes we look at somebody who's depressed or has anxiety problems, we say, look, you know, maybe their faith isn't strong enough or maybe they don't That's pray true. enough. That's what people say. But that's very far from the truth. In my experience, uh, the depressed or anxious Christian prays just as much, that's if right. not more, than anybody on the entire planet. And in my experience, this is a group that just rarely even says amen. They right. just keep that prayer open and going. So, so my hope is that through this experience, and because everybody's had a taste of depression, mm -hmm. that we, we lower the stigma yeah, uh, about right. seeking help for services. So when you think about the stigma, just one more thing that I want you to expound on, Nate, is that people use medicine for different things and different health reasons. 
why wouldn't we use medicine for the, if something has happened in your mind? Well, you should. It's no different than something like diabetes, for instance. Diabetes is a, a situation where you have an organ in your body called your pancreas that doesn't produce enough insulin to regulate blood sugar. But woe be unto you if the organ in question is your brain, because then you're what? Yeah, then you're, you're crazy. crazy. Absolutely crazy. Not true, of course, it's no different, except that the organ in question is your brain. So depression is a decrease in, in chemistry in your brain that, that helps us, or it's a decrease in flow of those chemicals in your brain. So no different than, than diabetes or anything like it. People do well on medication, they change their behavior through therapy or, or, right. or on their own. And just like diabetes, you can be expected to live a, a healthy and productive life. That makes sense. It reminds me, uh, a teacher, and we got a lot of teachers here, but a teacher said to her students, he said, boys and girls, there's a wonderful example in the life of the ant. Every day the ant goes to work and works all day. The ant's very busy. And then in the end, what happens? Little Johnny speaks up and says, somebody steps on him. <laughs> we know that kids are going to come up with those created simple answers, but I don't know about you guys, but many times we feel like we've been stepped on in this our entire lives or we've been stepped on in the recent year and a half of what we're going on whether it's through people or circumstances but we're not alone when we get depressed we're not alone we're down in the dumps people in the bible experienced it and a lot of people don't even realize that that in the scripture there's multiple people that were depressed when you look at moses moses was a depressed leader he was leading the people of israel they griped about their need for water they were griping about we're starving they were complaining about not having food they were complaining about the food that he gave him called manna and so you think about moses no wonder he's depressed i don't call them israelites i call them miserlites because they were absolutely miserable and he's just going livid with his situation so he's surrounded by these chronic complainers and and, uh, and he just, it's hard for him to deal with it, so it'd be hard not to be depressed. Somebody else, Job. How I many of you heard of Job? If you don't know, if you don't even consider yourself reading the Bible much, a lot of people have heard the, the name Job. Here's Job depressed because he lost everything and then cursed the day he was born. Then we look at King David. King David is another one. He's depressed. And here he was, the man after God's own heart. It tells us in the scripture, right? And also being king of Israel, the greatest king ever. But I want to read you a couple of verses. This is not in your app and in, in the scriptures we gave you. But it, sa it says this in Psalm chapter 6, verses 2 and 3 and verse 6. He says, be merciful to me, Lord, for I am faint. Oh, Lord, heal me, for my bones are in agony. My soul is in anguish. How long, oh, Lord, how long? I am worn out from groaning all night long. I flood my bed with weeping and drench my couch with tears. One of my favorite uh, Bible characters is the Apostle Paul. And He's another one. He is. He, he gives us an illustration that I'm going to read here in a second about another common characteristic of depression and anxiety, and that's what I call tunnel vision mm -hmm. or being fixated. When we get fixated, what it means is that we're, we're chronically focused on things that are negative or unhealthy or unwell, um, and that, that fixation can happen in two ways. There's an external fixation where I worry about my wife and I worry about my kids, I worry about our health, I worry, mm -hmm. worry about all the things that are, are outside of me, my job, um, the, the things that are going on in this world. But, but then there's also a fixation that's internal, 
And an internal fixation is usually related to our own GSR, and, and that's an acronym that I use, but GSR stands for guilt, shame, and regret. Mm -hmm. And when we become internally fixated, we're eating all of these things that, that we've done. So an internal fixation sounds something like, why do I keep doing what I do? How come I'm still fat? How come I'm still addicted? But it's all of this self-criticism that we can get bound up in, and yeah. it keeps us from being able to enjoy our life. So, so Paul, in his letter to the Romans, gives us a really good example of this. Yes, he does. Uh, it, 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 it's humorous, in my opinion, but, it but it's a really good focus on, right. on exactly what I mean here. So it's Romans 7, verses 14 through 25. So the trouble is not with the law, for it is spiritual and good. The trouble is with me, for I am all too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself for what I want to do. For I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Mm -hmm. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I am doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I'm not the one doing wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. Mm. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin that is still within me. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Wow, that's the battle. That is the battle. That's the battle. So I know when I get upset or I have things come at me in many different directions, as we all do, Sometimes I, I feel like I get winded. I feel like I'm gasping for breath. Everything just feels like a, a weight and a pressure on me. And um, I think that's, you would agree with me. I think we all feel that way at times when things hit us from every angle. And, uh, and I read this, I want to share with you. Many years ago, there's a, mid, a Midwestern lawyer that suffered from deep depression. And that his, his friends thought it best that they keep all the razors and knives out of his reach. And so this man questioned his life's calling and the wisdom even attempting to follow through with life. And I quote him and he said this, I am now the most miserable man living. Sounds like Paul. He says, whether I shall even be better, I cannot tell. That man, that lawyer was Abraham Lincoln that became our 16th president. See, it doesn't matter who you are. If you can, depression and those downland dumps and the sadness and the gloom and doom can hit anybody at any time, a president or a peon or somewhere in between. So I want to share some things with you that's going to be a great help with you. Listen, whenever you feel like you're at the end of your rope, I want you to just encourage you, you're never at the end of your hope. I want to look at a few verses here by the Apostle Paul, which Nate just read. Listen to what he said to the Corinthians. He said, we are pressed on every side by troubles. Would you agree with that? It seems like we are more than ever. He says, but we're not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. God will never abandon us. 
when we're in opposition, when we're getting slandered by somebody, when disappointments come and threaten to rob you of your victory, of your happiness. Remember that no one and anything can steal away the hope that God gives you and I. I want you to understand that. The biggest problem that it is is perspective. Listen, when you have the right perspective, you can accomplish almost anything. When you have the wrong perspective, you can't almost handle anything in your life. Perspective is, is a tough one. Yes, it um, is. It, it's, it's generated, though, by the way we process our own thoughts. Things that happen outside of us, we process them, they register in us as stressful or healthy or whatever the case may be. So just, just to clear it, you, you talk to yourself, right? Yeah, I do. And, I, <laughs> and sometimes I answer myself back. So I'm thinking, um, cuckoo, cuckoo. Yeah, no, no. Quite frankly, you could, in, you could invent like an entire chorus of people and have conversations with them as long as that conversation were healthy and as long as they're leading you into good things. Good, I can still answer myself, Nate. Absolutely. Thank you for this great you bit of information. The issue with self-talk, however, is that it can be influenced mostly by the environment or it can be influenced mostly by Christ. And when we struggle to have it influenced by Christ, it's usually a pretty good indicator that we might need a hand. Right. So when Jesus was about to leave his disciples, he, he told them that he was leaving behind a helper. Right. The right. helper is the Holy Spirit. And it's, one, it's, a, it's the third member of the Trinity that we don't often talk about. But in my uh, opinion, in, in mental health, that voice in your head is extremely, extremely important. That's right, yeah. So, so when we're around people and we're dealing with the kind of things that life throws at you and all, of our, all, all that we can focus on is the negative, well, we end up being part of several different environments. So when, when, when we walk into a room, we want to be the light when we walk in and not when we walk out. Mm -hmm. but, but for the people that know us the best, when, when something's off, they know it. Mm -hmm. And, and, and they, should, they should tell us about it. And usually our wives do, right? Sometimes. Just Every saying. now and then they do. Every now and then they do. But when somebody knows us well enough to be able to do that, right. then we should look at that as an indicator rather than a criticism That's or right. a judgment. Right. Because they know us, they've been paying attention, and, and whether we like it or not, depression and anxiety can create a dark room where negatives develop. Mm. And we, we don't want to be in that spot for extended periods of time because we all impact our environment. And the other thing sometimes that we see with depression is that people will withdraw themselves from, from their healthy environment like their friends or their family. When we see that, we should pursue uh, folks that have isolated themselves. It makes sense. It makes sense. Um, you know, when things get tough, and, and I, we all hit those tough times, and I turn my mind and my attention uh, to those things, I'm going to miss the vision of the eternal. I always remember, we're passing, as a Christian, we're passing through this world. We are pilgrims, and it's not the external things that we need to get focused on. I don't need to look at the problems. I need to look at the God who can solve the problems, and no better person than Jesus expressed that. Yes, sir. So one of my favorite pieces of Scripture that I use often in my office with folks 
comes out of uh, John's chapter, chapter 16, verse 33. Um, and this is Jesus speaking to his disciples. I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. And when Jesus says, I'm going to tell you something that gives you peace, I am all ears. Yes. But the next part is kind of confusing. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. This doesn't quite sound peaceful. No. Yet. Right. Yet. Right. But the last part, take heart because I have overcome the world. Yes. And what, what I feel very strongly that he implies in this verse is that you overcome the world too, but only with my help. That's right. And only with people around you that are willing to help you in that way. Yes, that makes sense. So just remember, you know, life's going to get tough. And you're going to feel like sometimes you're at the end of your rope, you're not at the end of your hope. But also, a lot of people, when things start happening, they want to give up. So trying times isn't a time to quit trying. You know, uh, I love what Paul said to the Corinthians in his second letter. He said, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, we're all on our way to dying. We know that. Uh, our spirits are being renewed every day through the relationship with our Lord. He said, for our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. Sometimes we don't feel like it. Our troubles are small, but they are small in comparison to what other people are going through. If you sit down and you write down uh, the things that are good and the things that are bad, or, and you compare them to somebody else, somebody's always worse off. How many of you have ever said, you know, what's the use of trying? How many of you have ever said that? I'll raise my hand. I've said that so many times, and you think, well, I've tried to change my marriage, and don't think that we're going to be able to stay together. I've tried to do what I can do to connect with my kids and, and enjoy a relationship, but it doesn't seem like it's happening. Or I'm trying to get my career started, but with this COVID thing, it seems like I can't even get a job, or I can't get my business off the ground. Or I'm praying about my health or the health of my loved one, and it just seems like there's no hope for them, or I've tried to change myself. I want to become a better person. Whatever it is, let me ask this question. What do you do when a sense of failure comes into your life? What do you do at that moment? It's kind of like a trapeze artist. When you think about a trapeze artist, uh, there's no room for failure for them, right? But what does a trapeze artist have at the bottom? Holler it out at me. A net, right? They got a net. So God is, is great enough to catch you and I no matter what the failure is that comes in our lives. And sometimes I believe that net can be actually seeking help. Right. The risk in, in not doing so, and another one of those statistics that's way up, is that people will, will self-medicate. So throughout this pandemic, unfortunately, we've seen addiction go way, way up. And people do that in, in, in various ways. Alcohol and illicit drugs are very obvious. Prescription drugs that aren't actually prescribed to you, like benzodiazepines or, or pain medication that people take. Uh, we, we medicate ourselves in, in stuff like technology, sex, food, you name it. We'll, we'll find a way to medicate ourselves. The biggest problem there and the biggest challenge there, of course, is that that kind of medicine just provides a temporary anesthesia. That's the next right. day is coming. It's probably not going to be a whole lot better. And now we've put ourselves behind in trying to deal with what's coming at us. So when, when people go out to seek professional help, of course I'm terribly biased here, but I wish people would head to a therapist first because what we always want is that magic pill, right? That's and crazy. it's not out, well, it probably is, it's not legal. But that, that's not always the answer. Sometimes 
sometimes it means we have to seek somebody who's professional that can tell us or that can help us through and to educate us on whether or not that's the option that, that we need to take. So there are great resources out there. One of them that right. I recommend a lot to people right. who are looking for professional help is Psychology Today, uh, psychologytoday.com, their website. Um, a whole bunch of profiles, you just put your zip code in there and you can find a whole bunch of people in your area. Each one of those entries also has a profile, so you can read through it and see if that might be a good, a good fit for you. Um, mine, mine is in there. Um, and as far as medication goes, if that's the avenue that, that you're gonna seek, I would recommend finding somebody that does genetic testing, and here's why. When, when, you're t when we're talking about psychotropic medication, there's about 50 to choose from. And that's a lot, and it's, that can be very daunting when it's like, well, you know, I, I hope one of these works, right? But when you do genetic testing, genetic testing determines which medications probably won't work for you based on how you metabolize. So now we're down to five to ten medications that will probably be beneficial to mm, you. That's good. So the whole idea of being like the guinea pig goes way down when you do that. So if, if the medical route is the one that, that, that you really feel like you need to take, make sure that somebody helps you with genetic testing so that we get a little bit closer on the first try. And I think we're fair to say you want to go and get a Christian professional to help you because it boils down to the next thing I want to challenge you guys on is focus on God's ability to help you, not your inability. Because you'll get down on yourself, I don't want to go, you get depressed, I don't think I'm going to get through this. And like Psalms 121 and verse 1 and 2 says, look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? See, God wants to help us and help us, and he wants to protect us, be there for us night and day. He's always watching over us. But God uses other Christian help to help us and that's how you put legs on your prayers so you got to see qualified professionals and you just got to settle in your mind God is going to take care of me God is going to help me to get the answers through him and through those who love him that even though I'm going through a dark time I'm not alone God cares and he's aware so let's just grab here for a second and think about catching a second wind you've probably heard that metaphor one thing I want to say to you is just stop complaining because I find myself doing it. I don't know about you guys. You get a lot of overwhelming things on you, and I'm complaining, and it's never going to help. Especially as you're a Christian, because Nate touched on it a while ago. If you're all the time complaining, what does that do? That gives a false impression of the relationship that you have with the Lord. And uh, in Philippians 2 and 14, it says, do everything, not some things, do everything without complaining and arguing. God commands us not to complain and everything. Griping and complaining is only going to make things bitter, not better. I always like that expression. Uh, I certainly want to be more better than bitter. Yeah. But there's also one that I use a little bit more often, and it's victor and not victim. Right. And we see the victim mentality in our culture a lot. There's a lot of social currency that goes along with it, unfortunately. Um, and that's not to, to discredit actual victimization. Uh, unfortunately, I've worked with so many, so many clients over the years who've had been victimized by just the worst kind of abuse and trauma and all of the violence you could possibly imagine. So I'm not talking about discrediting actual victims. I know there are people even in this audience who've been victimized by terrible, 
circumstances, and even some to their own doing, who I know several people out there right now who are in recovery, which, mm-hmm. is, which is absolutely fantastic. My point is that when, when people take on the survivor's mentality, instead of being defined by all of that, the, the people and the illness and the sickness that has been perpetrated on them loses its power. So when I watch people who are actively working through their stuff, they're, they're choosing the survivor's mentality, the victor's mentality. They're taking all the power away from those who perpetrated onto them the, the nasty stuff that they did, and they're empowering themselves to change it. And there are so many people that I've worked with, and it's, it's what, part of what makes me so passionate about what I do, that in one generation have completely turned around all of the Praise sick. God. That has That's been, good. That's good. That Praise is God good. for that. Amen. Turn Amen. a whole generation around. That's good. So, so vic, uh, vic, victors instead of victims. Yes. Something else I want to point out that even though you're feeling alone, we've done this whole, you've had a quarantine, maybe a whole lot of you have already done that, went through that, and you're alone. Listen, God's always with you. You've got to grab that in your mind. Our Creator is always with us. God's presence is there with you. You know, now your situation might look dark, but God is always close to us, even in the dark days. Sometimes we have those fear. Things are bad with finances. You have that illness or the loneliness and things about it. When you feel like this and you're most alone and you're hurt and you're abandoned and misunderstood, always know that that's when God's closest to you. But also, God's power. That is so crucial. You got to stop focusing on the problem. You got to focus on God's power. You got to stop focusing on the situation and focus on Jesus, our Savior. Stop focusing on what you can't do, and you got to focus on what God can do. Let me ask this question. When it comes to your life and what you're facing, when is the last time that you lifted your eyes above your problems just enough to see how great that God is? When's the last time? You got to decide now. I'm not going to focus on my problems. I'm not going to focus on my failures. I'm going to focus on uh, God's power, but also God's, God's potential. Mm-hmm. Every one of us, God has a potential for our life. And I love Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, one of my favorite verses. I want you to recite this with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's the ticket there. One plus God equals a majority. And I love that verse, but more importantly, I love the entire chapter four of Philippians mm-hmm. because it's Paul again. Yep. And unfortunately, we just picked on him a while ago, but yeah. this is kind of his redemption. Um, if you would like to read a chapter about attitude and perspective and having your attitude and perspective in the right place, in a godly place, just read that chapter to be really good for you. But, but even out of context, it's fantastic. But in context, Paul wrote it when he was in prison. Mm-hmm. I've never been in prison. I'm just gonna get. I'm just gonna guess that it's probably difficult to keep a really strong, healthy the food's not good. Yeah, yeah right. we'll take it from you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so it can't. In, I'm it, in jail, not prison. I, fine. But my point: it can't be an easy place to keep a good perspective. No. And Paul teaches us a lesson in chapter four. Good place for prayer, though. Absolutely. So you talked about God's presence, you talked about his power, you talked about his potential, but the other thing that we need to be able to access is God's people. And we know that God is moving around us. We know that he's still on the throne. We know he's in control. But when we seek counsel 
it doesn't always have to be professional counsel. We should, mm -hmm. start, we should start with our friends, right? especially our godly friends, because when we have friends, we're blessed enough to have friends that are close to us, that's when God puts his skin on. And that's when God has people come into your life that put their hands on you. Yes. And has yes. people that come in your life that can grab that's your right. hand and pull you through all the junk. Um, and it, 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 it's weird to me sometimes when, when people say something, well, I don't want to burden my friends with my problems. And I always say to them, what would happen if they, did, if they burdened you with theirs? Well, I'd help them out. So I go, don't deny somebody the blessing of helping you out if you know that you're going to return that favor when they need it. That's good. Right? That's so, good. So push your relationships to add depth. Be in the kind of relationships where everybody's not just fine all the time. F-I-N-E, fine. That stands for feelings in need of expression. So don't be fine all the time. Be part of, of, of a friendship group or a group where it's okay to not be okay and it's okay to, to push below the, the surface and to be open and honest and then to have intimate friendships because it's not always gonna be good. People are gonna grieve, people are gonna go through terrible situations and we wanna be part of, of helping pull people through it. Right, right. And when you said fine, when our wives, when you ask them how they're doing, they say, fine. Mm -hmm. We should probably. How you doing, fine? Yeah. Should probably so we don't stop there. No. That's feelings in need of expression. Tell me how you really feel. Okay, I got that. That's a good one right there now. That's really good. Hey, here's something else. I think sometimes in depression, when you're feeling bad, you realize, you got to realize you're not the only one. We all raised our hand earlier that we have felt sad or gloomy or, or we've been down in the dumps or we've been discouraged. Uh, you know, I just want to, to challenge you to think about this. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 2, listen to what Paul said here again. He said, share each other's burdens and in, the, in this way obey the law of Christ. You never feel you're independent of what's going on, as Nate was expressing there. Or it doesn't, you know, it doesn't need help from someone else. We do need help from other people. That's why it's so crucial. Uh, nor should we excuse ourselves from the task of helping somebody else. That's what we've got to do. And we need to seek depths in the relationships. Uh, there was a little boy and he got home from school and, and for those of you uh, that all of us have been in school at one point in time, you, you got these newfound relationships and his friend Billy that he had made a friend with in school wasn't there for three days. So he comes home and say, Mom, Billy was back at school. And so she began to ask him, says, what, why was Billy out of school? And he says, well, Mom, his dad died. She said, well, what did he say when he was telling you all that? He said, he laid his head on his desk and cried. She said, well, what did you do? She said, he said, I laid, on, I laid my head on my desk and cried with him too. Mm -hmm. See, that's kind of like it is with friends and people that's going to be there for you and connect with you. And, and one of our high five values here at Freedom Church is, is everyone connecting. We want you to connect in relationships. If you come here for six months and you don't connect in a relationship and you leave that is your fault for not wanting to connect to the body of Christ. We want you, listen, we want you to find those 2 a.m. friends. You say, what's a 2 a.m. friend? A friend that I can call it. Hey, I can call this guy right here. If I send him a text at 2 a.m., he would be there for me. If he sends me a text at 2 a.m., I'm going to be there for him. That's the friends we are, okay? 
we can do that. But if you don't have that, you're missing out. So we believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. That's part of our I-5A. So look, you guys got this when you came in. I hope you did. If you didn't, look what it says right here. We're going to be doing six weeks of reading through this book. I'll tell you more about the book later. But we're going to look at this about how our life has purpose. And so in here are connection groups. I want you to pick out a number, and I want you to do one of two things. You can pull up the, the QR code on the back of it. Pick out a group to get in. Listen, you are one friend away from having someone that you can depend on that loves you and wants to be there for you, and you be there for them. We want you to do that. And it's six weeks. It's only six weeks that we want you to do this. Hey, if you get into that group and you don't like them, and the last week you walk out and you say, man, I'm glad we don't go back there with them, they might say, I'm glad you went out of here too. But you might find that best friend that you never thought you had in the body of Christ. Because God has a unique way of connecting you with people to love one another, be there for one another. And when you're, someone is, is down, you're holding up their arms, you're lifting them up to prayer. That's what it's all about. So don't miss your opportunity to be a part of life-changing groups. Once again, I want you to say this with, with me. I really, really, really need a group. Say that with me. I really, really, really need a group. Pick one out. Sign up today. There's one more thing, Nate, I think that we can throw out here when you catch a second win is that your, your future is as bright as you want it. I mean, that's the bottom line to it. Uh, whenever you are looking ahead uh, in life, God's already a step ahead of two of you all the time, looking ahead for you. And I want you to know that when you look at Jeremiah chapter 29 and, and look at verse 11, that was one of the, the highlight verses in Jeremiah because it was a very dark time for God's people. And then Jeremiah 29, 11 was a bright light verse within that book. But also, I want to add verses 12 and 13. It says this, he says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. Now listen to this. In those days when you pray, those days always come when you pray. It says, I will listen. God's going to listen to your prayers. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. Then you think about, why do I need God so bad in those moments? Because he addressed it, and the psalmist did in 30, chapter 34 and verse 18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. See, we often wish we could escape the troubles. We wish we could run from the pain, we could run from the grief, we could get away and not look at the loss that we went through or, or the sorrows or the failures or, or even those daily frustrations that just sometimes just completely wig us out. And what they do, they wear on us. They wear on our spirits and they really get to us at times. And so God promises here, I'm going to be close to you when you're brokenhearted. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be your source of power. I'm going to be your courage and I'm going to be your strength. When Nate and I were together and, and preparing, he pointed out these few great verses here. Right. And, and, and I, I just want him to share them with you because, and I really want you to let them resonate with your spirit. Right, and you talk about power and courage and strength. Um, there's nothing that, that gets me fired up at work as, as much as people who recognize the need to struggle and, and have wiped away the shame and being able to say, I've got issues, I've got challenges, it's difficult for me, I'm gonna keep fighting, I'm gonna, I'm gonna figure out where this has never really been very right, and I'm gonna put myself on, on a different 
path. So this, right. this verse has always been very inspirational. It's Psalms 107, verses 13 through 15. Lord, help, they cried in their trouble, and he saved them from their distress. He led them from darkness and deepest gloom, and he snapped their chains. Amen. Let them praise the Lord for his great love and for the wonderful things he has done for them. Wow. Let's pray together. Father, as we come in your presence in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we praise and honor you for this day. We thank you, God, Lord, that even in the midst of our most troubled times, you are there. You don't want us to go alone, and you're always with us. You said you'd never leave us. You'd never forsake us. You would go with us even to the end of this world. We praise you and honor you for that. God, I pray for every soul under the sound of my voice that may be having troubled times right now, God. And God, they feel like they're gripped. They feel like they're tied down, that they are imprisoned with chains, God, of a depressing nature that's seemingly overcoming them. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus Christ, that you would snap these chains, God, today. I pray that in the name of Jesus. As we continue praying, I I want you to know, church, as you look into your own heart and into your life, something that we're never going to do in our church family. We're not going to give you cheap answers. We're not going to give you false hope. The problems that we all deal with, they don't arrive overnight, and I promise you they're not going to go away overnight. Now, a lot of times people ask, well, why don't God just, Pastor, make the depressed days go away? Here's what I want to tell you, and listen to me closely as we're wrapping up here. Lessons in life are things that we need to learn. God never wants us to waste a pain. God's more interested in your character than he is our comfort. And God's goal isn't to necessarily make our lives easy, but he wants to build our character. He wants to make us strong in his son, Jesus Christ. So in those dark times, here's what I will tell you is where you're going to learn. It's not in the successful times. While you're waiting on God, don't ask God, why is this happening to me? Ask God, what is it, God, you're wanting to teach me in these dark times? And the ultimate expression of what Jesus has done for us was what he did for us on the cross when he gave his life for us. And through him is where you're going to gain your strength. Through him is where you're going to get your peace. Where, through him is where you're going to be a victor, not a victim, because of what Jesus has done. So today, as you look to Jesus and ask him for strength, I want to ask you a question, and I'm going to ask you to be vulnerable. As our heads are bowed and eyes are closed and you're looking into your soul, how many of you here would be honest enough to lift your hand toward heaven and say, God, help me. I've had some down in the dump times. I've had some depressed times. I need your help, God. Lift your hand up high across the auditorium. God bless you. Thank you for your honesty today. I want to pray with you and pray for you, but I'm praying that God is going to help you to snap these chains through a relationship that you have with him, with his people, and through our church family that you are going to be victorious today. Heavenly Father, as these people are praying, God, I pray in the name of Jesus and lift them to you, Heavenly Father. Lord, that these depressed, aching, hurtful times, God, that they're going through, God, Lord, that this valley is going to pass, but they're going to realize in the valley that's lush and green is really where we grow. It's not on the mountain, but God, 
help them to realize what they need to learn and may they seek you for what you're trying to teach them. I pray for victory today. Break those chains. Snap those chains, Jesus. God, give them back a happy moment, a joyful time in you, Jesus, despite what they're going through. You know, in a crowd of people this size, I believe that somebody needs Jesus in your heart. And if you're here today and you feel the Lord, feel that knocking on your soul, that's Jesus Christ, God's only son who wants to come in and have a relationship with you. And I'm so proud you're here. You're not here just because maybe someone invited you today or you got an invite in the mail or, or you've seen something going on outside and you thought, I'd like to be a part of that. If you don't know Christ, you're here today and that's why you're here for, is to receive him as your Lord and Savior. So if you're here today and you've never received him as your own, thank you for being here. But would you lift your hand high and say, yes, I need to make Jesus the Lord of my life today. And I hear him touching my heart. Lift your hand real high right now. Shoot your hand up and say, I need Jesus. God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else? I need Jesus as Lord. Anyone else? Just lift your hand. God bless you. I see your hand, sister. Anyone else? Anyone else? Just lift your hand high. Now, here's what I want you to do. It's your prayer that makes your relationship with Jesus. I want you to make an altar right where you're at. Pour your heart out to the Lord and just let him know that you want to be born again. You want to be forgiven of your sins. I'll help you in prayer, but it's your prayer that connects you to the Heavenly Father through Jesus. Would you pray to him and just invite him into your heart and say, Lord, I'm sorry for trying to do life my way. I need you, and I want you in my heart and life. I believe you came. I believe you died for me and you rose again. Please forgive me of my sins, the things I've done wrong. I ask you to save me. I want to be born again in you. My life is yours. When you pray that with a repentant heart and being convicted of your sins, Tell him, say, Lord, I repent of my sins. That means I'm going to go the other direction. I'm not going back to him. I want to walk with you hand in hand. And when you feel that peace that comes in your soul that passes what your human words could ever say, that is the joy of the Lord. You've had your name written in the book in heaven, and you have reservation from heaven, but thank him for that right now, what he's done in your heart. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to go with you here. You and God are a majority. Father in heaven, we praise you and we honor you and we thank you, God, for what you've done here. Those of you that received Jesus, just shoot your hand up real quick and back down and say, I've received Jesus as Lord today. I give him praise, honor, and glory. Thank you. I praise you. Say, I just say, I praise you, Jesus. All right. Father, thank you for what you've done. Thank you for helping us, God, to confront this issue that grabs so many people. But victory is through our Savior, Jesus Christ, and through those that love you and our church family and those relationships we have. May better days come and may brighter days come. In Jesus' name we pray and everybody says, let's give the Lord Jesus praise today. All right, church?
morning, Freedom Church. I am so glad that you guys tuned in with us this morning. Listen, if you made a decision for Christ today, we want to know about it. We want to celebrate with you. So we have an online connection card. You can click the link in the description of the video that you're watching right now. Um, let us know about it. Let us know that you accepted Christ as your Savior. Um, and also if you made any other next steps, whether you know you want to be baptized or you want to join a connection group or you want to start serving, let us know about it. We want to connect with you even though right now we're online we would just love to continue to connect with you through this season all right what's well, one of our favorite parts of the service yes i did say favorite parts we are going to give back to god you know the reason that god calls us to give with open hands is so that he can just continue to pour back into us we want to be faithful with what he's given us so if you're ready to give your tithe or offering you can find links for that you can go on our app to give um, and you can visit our website you can also do it the old-fashioned way you can write a check you can mail it to freedom church 1010 freedom church road in gallatin tennessee or you can just drop it by the church during the week during our office hours monday through thursday so we just are so glad that you watched with us today um, we hope you tune back in next week and we'll see you soon